Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today, founder of Link to Medicine, which is um, tele- telemedicine IT consulting company uh, founded by Mariana. Mariana, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Corey, for having me and inviting me. Yes, so absolutely. Good morning or good afternoon to everybody. So we have a very big uh, difference in time because I'm in Europe and Corey in the United States. So somehow we're on the opposite sides of the globe. Yes. which <laughs> so, <laughs> This happens a lot. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people from from Europe and other, other countries and other parts of the world. So having these 5 a.m. interviews is common. Just awesome. It's, it's <laughs> awesome. So it worked, it worked for me. I'm already awake. And this is where my mind works the best. So I am, okay. I'm okay with it. But, you know, uh, right. Mariana, before we get into the topic at hand, how about you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Okay. So uh, to make a story short, I'm from Russia and I'm actually from Siberia, which is very far away from uh, where uh, I am now in Romania or Probably, you know, it's like from the movies about Transylvania, about vampires and so on. Right. <laughs> so I made this long way until here. Yes, as Corey said, I'm a founder of Link to Medicine Company, and we are mainly focused on telehealth solutions. And we will talk a bit today about this, about waking up in the morning. I have a privilege and nice moment in my life <laughs> when I have, a, I would say, human alarm clock in mm. the morning because my son is waking me up <laughs> yeah so saying like mama <laughs> so this is my uh, waking up moment and uh, but of course saying seriously and thinking about this i think that digital health as industry as area is very interesting i'm very enthusiastic about this that's why uh, i'm writing like i'm a digital health enthusiast or activist and we have a very supportive community. That mm-hmm. that's why, like, I encourage all of you to join us in our community because we are very open people. And uh, actually, I want to thanks or uh, to thank uh, people with whom I talked in the very beginning of my uh, digital health, let's say, career or uh, path, uh, and mainly from telehealth area because they spent daytime to explain me the main things uh they spend their time to answer my stupid questions of course <laughs> because <laughs> in the beginning it's like everything is a bit stupid and uh by this way they encourage actually me to study more to learn more yeah and here i am now with you <laughs> yeah a- ab- absolutely you know i've been seeing myself you know, Mariana having a lot more of these conversations of, around telehealth and, 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 it's, and it's on purpose because I, I feel like 
even and I've been I've been talking about telemedicine and, and you know these things before the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, there is a brighter light on it, right? Like there's a brighter light on it um, because of the usages of telemedicine, you know, as far as, you know, teleconferencing and giving patients the ability to see their provider or to see somebody without having to go to the hospital. But the I feel like even because of the pandemic and even after the pandemic, these tele, telehealth and, you know, in IT, they're not going anywhere and they're going to be a, you know, they, they're, they are now and will be kind of a, a vital part of, of healthcare in the, in the future. So it's, it's been really fun to hear different perspectives, different, different parts of it. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to learning more about link to medicine and, you know, what, you know, what kind of problem you're trying to solve there is really, really interesting to me. And also some of the topics we're thinking about, you know, talk, not thinking about, but talking about today. Tell me a little bit about Link to Medicine. And, uh, you know, initially I came from IT. So I have education in cybernetics. So I'm like 25 years plus IT person. In IT, we have a lot of uh, integrators companies. So which has uh, which have the direct connection with customers and on the other side they have vendors so different like big tech companies or smaller ones focused on some solutions so the integrator task is to bring different solution to customer and when i came to digital health i thought that this idea is actually not bad at all because first of all i wouldn't like to push customers you know or navigate trying to, let's say, navigate them to one solution. Instead of this, I wanted to show them the different ways how they can look at telehealth and actually coming from their requirements. So what they need right now or in the nearest future. That's why I wanted to actually, this is what we discussed before, to offer you a small game. Yeah, about yeah. <laughs> let's play telehealth. <laughs> <laughs> let's pretend that we are during the virtual consultation yeah for example i'm clinician you're a patient and let's think theoretically what we should have on our telehealth platform yeah? and i will ask you questions because i prepared of course and but we are in the same team we are playing in the same team so Corey, tell me uh, how would you prefer to connect to telehealth platform through your computer or you will use probably your mobile phone as well Right. And for, for me, not having access to a desktop all the time, it would probably, I would prefer probably to use my phone because it gives me easier access to be able to, to be able to speak when I, when I need to. Okay. So uh, do you have small kids like, or teenagers? Yeah. Or... Two, two young kids. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Then um do you think that you will uh, participate together with your kids or your relatives in some virtual consultations together? Um, I mean, they may be in the same room if it's, if it's if it's appropriate, but I would like to keep that as private as I, as I could. Mm -hmm. Okay, but do you plan to pay for them? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 if you have in your community on your or in your family. Uh, some relatives like 60 plus age do you think that it will be useful for them to have some sort of you know 
simpler user interface. Yes. You know, with my my mother specifically, she just does not get or she does not understand technology as well as someone younger. She's she's not bad, you know what I mean? But, mm -hmm. you know, if I were to have her do a, you know, right now, if she were to have to do a telehealth conference, it would be difficult for her to get going herself. Okay. Another question, which is actually very important. Do you think uh, you want to make uh, the appointment by yourself in the system or you want to call to the call center? Uh, I would, since I know my schedule and, and the, the, you know, I would like to be able to do it myself, just be able to get online, you know, see a time that works best for me. If they have available, schedule it and, and be done with it instead of having to call, be on hold. Mm -hmm. You know, wait. Wait, yeah. Your, yeah. your call is very important for us. Yes. <laughs> <Please wait. laughs> Absolutely. Stay in your queue. Okay. Uh, again, thinking about your community, do you think like uh, it will be useful to have some additional languages like Spanish? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if, for example, I'm a clinician, yeah? Uh, for you, probably it will be important to know if I have license to work in your state or on your, in, in your country. Right. So uh, potentially, uh, will you use some uh, medical devices to measure your? Yeah. So I have I have you know a lot of wearables that I use to measure my, you know my my blood pressure, my exercise, my physical activity, things like that. So even you know even a, a blood pressure cuff. So there are things that you know I would. If that were something that I needed, I, I would be able to to use at home. Okay, so it's we we made a very short exercise. Yeah, and it mm -hmm. was like kind of brainstorming. Okay, let's think about our family. Let's think about the payment process, about electronic scheduling. Uh, we can add many many things on top. Yeah, we can include people from IT team to think about cybersecurity, about data uh, data privacy, and so on. But just by this exercise, we can see that actually to form the requirements for telehealth solution, it's not, as we said, it's not a rocket science. Yeah, It's right. a practical thing. And basically, this is what I do with our customers. So I'm sitting and I'm asking, I have this questionnaire of, it's much longer, it's six or 70 questions, and plus on top, what they think about this. And depending on different departments inside the hospital, actually, it can be a very different view on what is happening. For some departments, more important is to have electronic scheduling. For, for others, like uh, to share data. So all of these pieces, uh, you can combine from the side of the hospital. But also, we should invite some help patients. Because mm -hmm. what usually happens, so we just come, to our community and say, we have solution. Doesn't matter if you like it or not. If you need to make 25 clicks instead of five, yeah? or if you have a very difficult user interface, you will just have to do it. Right. So this is, a, let's say, this is my approach. I, I, I don't want to convince everybody to do the same. Uh, at this moment, telehealth uh, segment has so many different ways of looking uh, at telehealth solution, including uh, medical devices, like focusing on some areas like telestrokes, yeah? 
telerehabilitation or telepediatrics. And yeah, so it yeah. can be like more specified and this way more useful and more comfortable for everybody. And what we saw during the pandemic is that we, the entire ecosystem, let's say, had to jump in telehealth somehow, doesn't matter what. Right. I appreciate it fully because the, that was the only way to do it. Yeah, uh, Doesn't matter. It was Zoom, Skype, Microsoft, whatever, use anything. But now right. we're somehow in the stage when we should sit and probably think and decide what is uh, the, the best solution. Because we can choose from the multiple offers the best which suits you the most. Right. So it's, it's important to get, even when you're choosing, and, and I get what you're saying too, because when it comes to user experience, there was really no time for testing user experience. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was almost like having to, having to develop these, these, uh, these technologies right away. Um, and there, and there are a few that were kind of already out there that maybe didn't have some of the didn't have some of the maybe features that it has now, but it just had just had to be pushed out there really, really quickly. With a lot of them that I have seen, user experience was probably the last <laughs> the last thing that was um taken into consideration. Which I mean I, I guess in the in the middle of it I, I kind of understand. But uh we've had a I've had a lot of patients not during that time utilize the telehealth service because they just didn't know how to use it or you know how to yeah. get to it. Yeah. And this is actually also about equity. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very interesting way how different countries also look at telehealth because I had a conversation with my colleagues from Finland. And when we discussed like telehealth and, you know, I brought this topic uh, being proud of telehealth. Of course, <laughs> all of us were proud of telehealth. Like we did this big thing; it was very helpful do, during pandemic. And but they said, you know, uh, let's think it from the different way. So there are people who have this digital literacy yeah, and understanding how to use things much better than others. We don't have time to make it balanced, which means that people who are better in this will use it more, probably in the, from this point of view yeah equity will even we will receive even bigger difference yeah between groups so yeah. some groups will overuse our sources and some of them not yeah so yeah. Mm -hmm. i would say the issue is though um the people that can't use it are probably the ones that need it the most <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean if they don't have that digital health literacy, which is just from my, from my experience is like, you know, someone who needs that contact with their provider sh probably shouldn't be seeing them in person because of, you know, this COVID-19 and, and some of the, for some of those reasons, maybe they have, you know, auto, their chronic diseases that they're more susceptible to, you know, if they were to get, you know, COVID-19 and wouldn't, wouldn't end well for them or the probability would be higher and they just needed a quick conversation with their provider they're coming in because they don't want to deal with the technology does that make does that make sense like they just don't understand it to mm -hmm. be able to get to see their provider and some do i'm not saying they're all of them do i mean there are a lot of people that uh a lot of older the older community 
there are a lot that do understand how to get through and we've had, you know, you have people that will call you and walk you through it, but there are a lot of people that are also like, I don't want to deal with it. I rather just come in and they don't want to take that risk, but they do because the user experience is on some of them is just not the best for, for them. Yeah, and actually, uh, you know, recently I read an article about one of the solutions on, uh, it's very famous solution, I will not name it. But anyway, so uh, what they did, they just made uh, videos and they put it on YouTube. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, also it's not difficult. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you, when, you, when you read this news, like, you know, they did it. You think, why others just didn't do the same <laughs> right <laughs> because you know somehow we are like using this uh, using our youtube for every possible reasons how to cook i don't know how to you know plan your time how to be focused how to be and be and be but also you can do it for teaching people and explain them how to use the platform i feel like we can kind of overcomplicate it some, some sometimes <laughs> you know we, we take the which is a, a complicated topic where we're talking about it. Can, it can be a cop, but maybe some of the solutions are, yeah, are yeah. as and easy as just yes. putting them on, on YouTube. <laughs> and yes, if uh, your user interface is so complicated that you cannot make video on YouTube, that probably it's too complicated. Can you kind of talk about, you know, what, what are some of those ethical issues that arise when it, when it comes to the tech in healthcare specifically? Yeah, we discussed this, uh, like I brought this topic, I thought about this a lot because actually in IT, we don't have ethics. I probably, I don't know, probably I'm living in the in this part of IT mm-hmm. where we don't have, but we don't have the subject. We don't, uh, we don't actually learn ethics and probably mm-hmm. we should, and we should since some time. And when we, uh, as IT, because now I'm staying on the IT side as IT specialist, when we enter uh, healthcare, we shouldn't think that it's the same industry as I don't know gas and oil, as retail, and you can do you can prolong to do the same things. So right. Clinicians they have the Hippocratic oath, yeah. So they promise they respect uh, human life, they respect human dignity. In uh, value based uh, healthcare, we say like to produce as much good as uh, and as little harm as possible for each patient yeah so if we understand this the same because we actually now uh, the difficulty of switching from let's say e-health how we called it before to digital health which are includes already big data artificial intelligence algorithms and so on is that it's much more complicated so we shouldn't like simplify things where you shouldn't do it so that's that's why i said that's the starting point when we when we collaborate and work in multidisciplinary teams the starting points are very different so that's why i actually liked i participated in one webinar from stanford and this big guts of (laughs) in artificial (laughs) intelligence like i mean they're our age but anyway yeah so they're guts already fathers and mothers of artificial intelligence so they said if you want to start uh, your career in healthcare and do like your it side it part you should start your first day somewhere in emergency 
just to have this human understanding, the human touch. Actually, it was the first time when it was, for me, clearly uh, articulated. Because people who are coding and, I mean, uh, working around, we don't have this uh, feeling of uh, pain and understanding of uh, day-to-day work. Yes, of course, we interact with or. Uh, clinicians and patients but in you know this comfortable let's say way this this is what i wanted to share you like my doubts if uh, actually we are doing this right or we should stop ourselves think about healthcare deeply and then from the starting point of like sharing responsibilities of course, having rights, but also sharing the big, the huge responsibility. We will just put our aims and goals in a different way. We will put priorities in a different way. Right. So, so just make sure I'm following. Are you are you saying like adding more of a, the the human experience and understanding that a little bit more? Is that kind of what you're saying? I think it's also about responsibilities. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not only about understanding. Like, okay, I understand your pain. I'm also human being. Right. <laughs> no, I'm responsible for what I'm doing. I'm implementing yeah. solution, and I should know that this solution will directly influence on the people' health, on the right. quality of their lives. So this is it. Even like. Telehealth, it's one of, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say it's one of the easiest, but it's connecting people yeah, between each other. It's like a video or a voice flow between people. But it's also a lot about data around, about cybersecurity, about many, many things. So it's kind of a complex. So uh, that's, that's why I wanted to bring this and to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I get it. I get it. Um, so with without, you know, kind of an, an ethical foundation, is health equality compromised? What are your thoughts on that? I think that equity is like a uh, multidimensional. So we cannot just, uh, let's say, when we think about the digital health, it's about data quality, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, nowadays we can see a lot of examples. And uh, actually, I think the majority of examples is about that algorithms which uh, uh, companies made, uh, they didn't have, the, let's say, equal enough data. Yeah. So I read, uh, for example, recently about, I think it was in South America, uh, the algorithm about the predicting of lung cancer. And it was just... of women versus 75% of men. And of course, when you supply the algorithm with the data, which is not balanced, clean, then you have the outcome, which is actually not that precise. For example, uh, I also recently uh, talked with guys who made algorithm about uh, skin cancer. Yeah, but they... Let's say they made it on the territory of uh, the majority uh, of population Europeans, and they mm. want to send it somewhere. They want to sell it somewhere where the percentage of you know population is absolutely different. And I asked him, "How you are planning to do this? <laughs> what, what, what is like? Yeah, and why like, would you do that? 
<laughs> because make... they want no because they want to sell no it's it's very it's very like simple logic so you made something it works somewhere and you want to expand because every everything is about the coverage about revenue profitability right. and stuff like this and then you think but i'm sorry this algorithm was trained on absolutely different data so how how you are planning to apply it to other countries so you should prove so it's just an just like a simple few examples which i just faced myself yeah <laughs> that's and then then we have many 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 other things so i heard recently so some of the uh scientific or uh, journals and online uh uh, they will not accept anymore any researchers where you don't prove that you have a balanced cohort of patients. Like and, yeah. they, they will just not accept anymore. They said, okay, 1st of January, you will not be able to do it anymore. So this is like a step in uh, to understanding that actually equity, it's not only the nice fancy word it's a basement for uh, the right way of working because just simply your algorithm will not work and that is all you will not be able to sell just take it <laughs> right right it, it needs to resemble the community that it's going to be working for the whole community yeah so that's why if you want actually at the end of the day make your solution successful you will have to do it through the equity through the taking into account all the data from all the you know groups of patients, if you want really to do it, otherwise it just will not work. And I, I think that is, I think that's great. I think that's how it how it should be. I'm, I'm glad they're putting those things in place, and that brings up you know more questions on okay, how do we get more variety in our research as far as the population? How do we get them to come in to do these? Um, these studies so we can better the community. And I think it kind of is bringing up those conversations and which is, I think is a great, a great thing. Yes. I mean, uh, how I see this, if you put the aim and goal in the proper way, then you should organize somehow, you know, their environment around. Yeah. So you should organize people, you should put, you know, the right steps inside the process. Right. I, I believe that if we will not put this game, uh, put this aim, the processes, they will not be organized by themselves. Yeah? Somebody should come and say, guys, this is it. So we should do it uh, because otherwise just they will not accept us. Yeah. And somehow you will you will find the way to organize it. So staying on the same topic of, e of equality, you know, in health tech and in IT. I know you've been very committed and you're actually going, you're, you're, you've been doing it yourself on being a woman in this space. So, you know, tell me, you know, how, what, what has your experience been like being a woman founder in digital health and IT? Um, and what are some of the barriers you feel like women are, are facing in that industry? Uh Good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for this. Uh, I think I'm a happy woman. Uh, first of all, yeah. Mm -hmm. I will explain you why. Because uh, uh, despite, you know, all of us, like, we are very biased. Yeah? 
I'm a biased human being, you're a biased human, you're like two biased humans talking with each other. And probably you heard many like horrible things about Soviet Union and Russia and stuff like this. But I grew in the Soviet Union in a very small town, but I had the full access to education. I finished except the normal school. I finished musical school free of charge. I finished archaeological courses free of charge. And we had a lot of like sport activities available for kids and like art schools and many other things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. somehow it was available for us, for everybody, because our parents had to work and, you know, communists did everything to, you know, entertain <laughs> the kids. <laughs> then after finishing school, I had an access to free of charge education, a high education. I studied in one of the best universities in Moscow. So I went to the capital of the country and I finished university cybernetics free of charge. So, and I think that was uh, the main things which formed me as a specialist, as a professional, as a personality, because I just had the nexus to education. And I recently read a report and it was, it, it is a big report about what actually valuable for people. Yeah. And you will, I was just shocked, let's say, a bit, because genetics had 7% and education and healthcare system had 25%. So people believe that if you have proper education, you have a better future. Right. And I cannot say the same about all women in the world, unfortunately, because if you read about the uh, wealth index, for women, about the health index for women, on top of many, many problems, you know, differences, and so on. We have like domestic violence and uh, things like this. So, of course, uh, this topic is very, uh, let's say, sensitive for many people, for many women. And what I try to do is to share with uh, others, not only women, but men, if I have something which helped me to obtain more knowledge and skills yeah just to try to share this with others to save their time so this is for example one of my uh, uh, purposes in the social networks like linkedin i'm just sharing the list of the sources which i think available so returning back to the women topic yes of course uh, we can start from the very beginning from education because in STEM fields, yeah, in math, engineering, uh, women, they are girls, let's say, they are underrepresented from the very beginning. And it's not like a specific topic for United States or for Asia. It's everywhere in the world. Somehow it happened. Then when the first personal computer appeared, yeah, it was a boyish toy. Yeah? So parents mainly bought computers for boys and from this moment i i would call it it's just like you know uh, it started to be a bit of you know man field and since that moment you will see because actually if you will look at statistics it's very interesting so until the moment of first personal computer appeared it was almost like a groin for all uh, uh, specialties like law medicine stem and then law and medicine is still growing and STEM is just falling down, like a sharp down. Yeah. Why do you because, think that uh, is? 
Uh, I don't know, but you know, it's uh, it's it's not the it's a topic for um, specialists who are so, uh, researching societies, you know, you know, mm-hmm. like sociologists, let's say. But uh, many people say that this is a like a direct connection. It's about the cultural message which you send to kids. Like you know, if it's computer, it's about boys. Uh, I know it's I don't know what is for girls. I was lucky my mother decided that cybernetics exactly is for girls. (laughs) 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 Probably it was very nice word. I also finished the mathematical school, so it it was like somehow predefined. But anyway, and uh, then we can see that uh, entering the university, somehow uh, women think that it's very difficult field, IoT and STEM. And then when they, even some of them, very small amount, percentage finishing, <laughs> when they have first and second kid, they just drop yeah, because it's too difficult to mm. fight against, you know, majority. So, uh, of course, it's absolutely statistically proved yeah, problem. How to balance it, how to, you know, invite uh, more girls, how to show them that actually it's very promising field. It's not that difficult you 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 can manage it uh, so this is a task so that's why uh, uh, somehow i'm also thinking around uh, to help women in healthcare it in the upskilling process upskilling or reskilling uh, upskilling is when you are in the field and you want to upskill yourself like to supply yourself with the uh, uh, fresh knowledge and skills by the precise step, yeah, this is what we discussed before, that you can actually draw the landscape of your knowledge and, of knowledge and skills from the exact industry. And then you just drop yourself somewhere. You think, okay, my self-assessment is that I'm here and I want to go up there. Yeah? And to make this path possible, you need to make some stops. Yeah? You, you should study something. Yeah. Probably it will be like a base basement of healthcare system about the different participants and roles, about reimbursement schemes, about you know, policies. And uh, then we are going to cybersecurity, interoperability. Then we are moving like slowly to some probably feels like telehealth, mm-hmm. like variable devices and discuss this thing. And then you just move on this path and you will be somewhere. And you know what is actually funny? That in our community, from time to time, I see that people are finishing absolutely the same courses as I finished. Really? <laughs> so, yes, I have my uh, contact in LinkedIn. She's from Germany. And she's just like, we are doing absolutely the same. We are absolutely separate people. You know, we never met. She's right. Finnishian and I am IT. And we are just going the same way. <laughs> <laughs> So, which means that somehow when I see that she she's finishing this course and I finished it before, like two months difference, I think, okay, probably I think in the right way. So this point, this uh, small piece of knowledge, yeah, it's valuable right now. If we are thinking about artificial intelligence, about bioinformatics, genomics, yeah, you should, you will not be professional in this field, but you right. should know some, you know, like concepts, main things, 
just to build the entire picture of digital health in a proper way. Right, right. So, so what are some things that what are things that you do with you know running your own company, having a child yourself? What are some things that you do to not only keep you ahead of the game and keep and still learning, but also you know do, keeping up up and maintaining some of the responsibilities you have at at home? You know, what what is some advice you have for a young woman that's trying to do exactly what you're doing right now? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you cannot imagine how many jokes there are about the young mothers. It's just like you can make <laughs> stand up, I don't know, comedy for club for, I don't know, hours and hours. There are so many jokes. Uh, let's say I uh, I will share with you and you, you will share with your uh, community. I appreciate a lot what Andrew Huberman is doing. He's a professor from Stanford University. Yeah. And he supply, you know, people uh, with like daily protocols, uh, how to organize your life from the science-based point of view, you know, how to focus mm-hmm. better, how to be more energized. Actually, I'm trying to use the, his advices a lot. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, he so has a great I, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I love his yeah. podcast. Yes. So so you know what I'm talking about. Yes? Yeah. So, yes. It, it helps a lot because if you know, for example, somehow that you can, okay, balance your brain activity, then you, you should focus or and you put your first, the most complicated tasks. So, for example, for me, writing is the most complicated. So if I need to write an article, I will just put it the first place uh, and do it first during the day and if uh, i wake up at seven o'clock then nine for sure this this most like promising time yeah from right say, nine to eleven i should do this yeah? and be like absolutely focused on this task so and many many other things and uh thanks to again to technologies because despite a lot of misinformation we have and this is a big issue because we have not only activists enthusiasts we have also <laughs> on the other side yeah activists and <laughs> enthusiasts right <laughs> and we have lobbyists we have like influencers and so on we also have guys like andrew who, for example i also like a lot lex friedman he is also the former stanford mm. uh, because they actually bring the knowledge from the source of knowledge from the people who worked, uh, who made this wonderful researches. Yeah. And it's absolutely prone because if it's science-based, you can be finally relaxed right. <laughs> and just listen, <laughs> listen and trust. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and I'm happy that uh, also they find uh, in their schedule a time to do it. Yeah. Because, because this is, uh, you know, I think the, the biggest problem today is that People who are very advanced in their job and profession, they just simply don't have time to share the experience. And on the other side, there are many people who have a lot of time. Right. <laughs> and this is like, soon will be probably 80 to 20, this period, or yeah, when you just would like to find the proper information, like evidence-based uh, and you know science-based, without spending 80% of your time on other things. 
And this is what I actually also mentioned in our digital health community, because they started to organize like small communities inside communities, small platforms inside like LinkedIn or something like this. Yeah. Right. Just to to find people with the common interest without also like biased, but you know, right. But not lobbyists. Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, who wants to share the knowledge from the sources? If you made the research, you just shared it, and this uh, is how we uh, how we build uh, actually the the proper level of understanding, because because it's very difficult. The digital health field is very like it's not like a newborn baby, but we are moving so fast. We want also to limit ourselves with some legislation, and uh, many countries are do do it uh, in a different way. But anyway, we just want to like build a common knowledge, and preferably in the best possible way. Absolutely, absolutely. I that's that's awesome, Mariana. You know, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. If there's um. Tell me, tell the people if how if anybody out there wanted to reach out to you and learn more about link to medicine or about yourself, how can they how can they find you? I have my profile uh, on LinkedIn. Also, I have website. So, I mean, anyway, I'm welcoming <laughs> everybody <laughs> to have a discussion. Yes, to to find the way how we can support each other because I think. That if you do something good, this good will return back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Probably even multiplied. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. When when you get a community, when you get a community together, great things can happen. So, I totally agree with that. Well, again, you know, Mariana, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thank and, you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and everybody, thank you for listening. I'll holler at you next time. <laughs>